Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Psalms 33, verse 4. Psalmist writes, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Amen. And I just want to talk to you for just the next little bit from this title, simple title, one word, beyond, beyond. Do you have any uh, history buffs in here this morning? People just love history. Probably my favorite subject uh, when I was in school a couple years ago and um, what? You know, history is a um, a bit of a dangerous thing, really. Um, in in one sense, if you spend too much time dwelling on history, you're gonna get caught up with it, um, and and not just history of the uh, events and things that happen in the world, um, but but just in in your own personal history, getting caught up in. Uh, uh, the, your history and finding it very difficult to believe in um, and really rest in the forgiving, sanctifying, saving work of Jesus Christ. That's why often in the scriptures, particularly the writing of Paul, we are told to forget what is behind and to leave what is behind us uh, there where it is. Uh, but then in another sense, um, history becomes very important um, because the more we look at it, we see it in a, uh, and we see it in a right, good, biblical way, it actually fuels us into our tomorrows. And, and, and we become emboldened towards God who has accomplished all that he set out to accomplish and is continuing to more and more day in and day out reveal to us his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and his abilities. I think that uh, 2024 is a beautiful time in which to live. Now, I have heard people often talk about how they wish that they lived in, in, and were born in other periods of time. Now, I know enough history to know that I'm just fine right here in 2024. 
I also believe that the reason that being in 2024 is such a gift from God is, is we, we have all of this history, right, to look back on and to, to marvel that, uh, that God has just consistently done exactly what he said he was going to do. I, I want to I point your attention to a chapter in Genesis, story in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, we, we know our Bibles. Uh, we know what's going on. Um, in this particular chapter, at this particular point in time, the world is in a fallen state. Um, there's, there's chaos. There's no order. Where there used to be order, now there's disorder. Um, there's, where there used to be peace, there's now no peace. There's strife. Um, and, and so all of this wrong, all of this darkness, all of these issues, these problems are, are going on. And in the middle of all of that, God calls a man named Abram. And in Genesis 12, in verse number one, we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So now we have this, this faint whisper, if you will, of a promise uh, that, 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 that all has gone wrong is going to be made right. That God is calling Abram and he says, through you... I'm going to create a people. And through that people, I'm going to bless all the families on the earth. So from the very beginning, the promise is that what God is up to is global. It is beyond anything that they could have. It is massive. It is nothing less than God making right what has gone wrong. And then we hear about the testing of Abraham in Genesis 22, and he, uh, he puts his son Isaac on the altar, the promise, the blessing on the altar. And we read, and the Bible says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So there we have it once again. Uh, God's plan through Abraham is that the nations would be glad. The nations would be blessed and that all that went wrong would be set right in this plan of God's. And then we move further throughout the Old Testament. 
we see this repeatedly, God's heart for the nations. God's heart for the nation. Now, on Mount Sinai, we, we find where the Lord told Moses to say to the people, the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So what's going to be the role of Israel when it comes to the rest of the world? They, the Bible says, will serve as priests. They will be the ones that proclaim the good news of what God is going to do, of what God is going to accomplish. At the crossing of the Red Sea, the the Jordan River in John 4.24, God crosses Israel into the promised land And he did this so that all the people of the earth might know. In 1 Kings 8, 43, at the founding of the temple, we read, so that all the peoples of the earth might know your name. Now, just a a superficial reading of, of the Psalms would have the psalmist repeatedly saying, the nations, the nations, the nations, and the great and glorious day of the Lord. And they are perpetually painting a a, a picture of the nations gathered around God to make much of Him. And again, even in the prophets, we see this confirmed yet again. Isaiah 45 and 22 says, Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And then we move further in the Bible and we have the incarnation. We have God in the flesh, God putting on skin and bones and dwelling among us. And he does not deviate at all from this plan to redeem and to rescue from all the nations. In fact, we find the words of Jesus in John 10 where Jesus says, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then Jesus says in verse 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus does not deviate at all from the Old Testament declaration that the nations will be glad and that the nations will worship God and that there is, when all is said and done, one group of people that God is drawing unto himself. I know you know this this morning, but Jesus is for everybody. And thank God for that. Thank God for that because I surely wouldn't be here today if Jesus wasn't for everybody. In fact, in Matthew 28, you see this. And if you, if you start in Matthew 28, 16, you'll find some hope if you tend to struggle and wrestle with doubt because the Bible says that uh, upon that mountain they worship him, but the Bible has let us know that some were, were doubting at the same time. And it's, uh, it's amazing to me uh, that you have the resurrected Christ ascending into glory, and there are some on the hill still going, I, I don't know, just not quite sure. 
it's always amazing to me. It's like, what are you looking at? But what, what, we're, what we're reading in Matthew 28, 18, the Bible says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, you can just stop right there because whatever's coming next out of his mouth is absolutely happening, right? He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So it doesn't matter what's coming next. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what the command is, okay? It's happening because he has all authority. Now he continues, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then the disciples do what they were commanded to do. They gather in the room and they pray and they're waiting for the promise to come. And in Acts chapter 2, the promise comes. He falls in that place. And, 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 and now we've got ourselves a completely different ball game than what we watched with the disciples when they were following Christ. In fact, if you're really paying attention, uh, the only ones that really kind of nail who Jesus is in the gospel are actually the demons. Everyone else kind of gets it wrong, okay? One time Jesus said, hey, what's the, what's the word on the street? You know, what, who, who do people say that I am? What are you hearing out there? Who, and, the, and, and, and the disciples respond, well, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist and others say that you're Elijah. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And, 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 and Peter, only Peter gets it right, but here's what I would press on you this morning. I don't think you really get credit for that if only six verses later, Jesus is calling you the devil. So if six verses later, Jesus switches from blessed are you Simon to get behind me, Satan, I think you lose all the credit that you had. And, and really, Really, the only ones that seem to get it are the demons who cry out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us? Have you come to destroy us before our time? I love it when you read about demons and, and Jesus in the, in the Bible. There's, there's no fights whatsoever in the New Testament when it comes to the kingdom and, and conflict. There are no arguments with Christ. There's no demons that say, make me. There's just a ferocious, powerful declaration that is on display. And he has all authority. He has all power. There's no demons arguing with him. Have you come to torment us before our time? So then we move on and the, the Holy Ghost falls at Pentecost and Peter stands up and he gives the sermon, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And thousands of people are added to our numbers that day, and we see the gospel begin to grow. But at this point, 
it's still predominantly, if not entirely, a Jewish faith. And then we get to Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11. And I love Acts 10 and 11. It's where we find a man uh, by the name of Cornelius of the Italian band, the Bible says, a God-fearing man, a man who has rejected um, paganism, Roman paganism, and he believes that there is one God. He's just not quite sure who that one God is, but he's He's there praying and he's giving alms and, and he's taking care of the poor. And he's, he's, he, the Bible tells us he's visited by an angel uh, with very detailed instructions. And story goes that Simon the Tanner is in Joppa and another Simon Peter is staying at his house. And he told him, go get him and bring him to you. And simultaneously, okay, or around the same time, Peter is up on the roof. And a vision comes to him of, of what? Unclean animals. And, and, and he hears, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And, and, and Peter's like, I'm not, I'm not going to be fooled again. I mean, does anybody get in more trouble than Peter in the Bible? No. Okay. And, and yet here he is, and you could almost hear him, uh, not going to get me this time. I would never touch that. Wrong answer again, Peter. <laughs> Can it be unclean if I made it? Kill and eat. And so about that time, there's a knock at the door and the soldiers from the Italian cohort grab Peter and they bring him to Cornelius. And you have what I believe uh, to be one of the most awkward exchanges that you find in Scripture where Peter then shows up at Cornelius' house and then reminds Cornelius that a, a, a Jew shouldn't even be in, in this house because he is a Gentile and Cornelius unpacks why he sent for Peter and he says, he says, look, I'm praying and an angel showed up and told me to come get you. I'm just doing what I'm told. And so Peter's like, okay, okay, okay. This can only be about one thing. And all of this, all of this is a paraphrase, by the way. So if you're following along, it, that's the gist of the story. It's, it's okay. So if you're looking it up, it's not going to read exactly like that, but that's essentially what's happening. So in that moment, Peter shares the gospel with the household of Cornelius, and they believed. They believed. And the Bible says in verse 44 and 45, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. And as many came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all spoke in other tongues. They're baptized. In fact, Peter has this sort of inner, little inner turmoil going on. He's like, what do we do? You know, and so they decide to baptize them and they baptize Cornelius and his household. And then Peter runs back to report. And here's what the church does. You know what the church does? They get together and they have a little meeting to vote on whether this is should be allowed or not. Let's get together, let's have a conversation, and let's just ask, can God do what he just did? Oh, 
And Peter testifies and he kind of stands up for himself and he says, hey, all I did was share the gospel. You're not pinning this one on me. This one's not on me. All I did was share the gospel. All I did was preach the word. And then, and, and then it's, uh, it's just really from that moment on, starting in Acts 15, you begin to watch the promise. And, and here's why I'm saying that in 2024, it's such an amazing time to be in this, such an incredible time to be alive and to be a part of. Because starting in Acts 15, you have Paul and Barnabas that separate and they go in different directions. And then it just takes off from there. Acts 15 is the council at Jerusalem. In 42 AD, Mark goes to Egypt. I'm going to take you on a little history journey real quick. In 49 AD, Paul heads to Turkey. In 51 AD, Paul heads to Greece. In 52 AD, the Apostle Thomas heads to India. In 54, Paul heads on his third missionary journey. In, in 174 AD, the first Christians are reported in Austria. In 280 AD, the first rural churches emerge in northern Italy. Now, this is significant because Christianity in the first century was predominantly an urban religion. It wasn't out in the rural areas at that time. And so it wasn't until really around 280 AD that we begin to see rural churches emerging. One professor of sociology says that by 350 AD, 31.7 million people, roughly 56% of the Roman Empire, confessed Christ as Lord. Now, I realized that there was a dark period in there where the true knowledge of, uh, of God was watered down and and mingled with men's philosophies and traditions, and the basic teachings of Acts were abandoned, and Jesus' name baptism was abandoned. Some of the some of the uh, the teachings they were very similar, but they were incorrect. They were teachings of salvation, new teachings that were introduced, and they were accepted as truth. That is why today there are so many different uh, uh, religions today that many teach differently unscriptural methods of salvation. New beliefs began to pop up in 400 AD and you officially had the dark ages between 500 and 1500 AD. If the apostles were alive at the end of the 5th century, they would have never recognized what was commonly called the church. But isn't it amazing how God continues to work through all of the wrong, through all of the darkness, through all of the misinformation, through all that seemed to be going wrong, the church was still spreading. And God was still moving, and God was still speaking, and God was still calling, and the gospel was spreading and growing. In 596, you have England being reintroduced to the gospel message. In 635 AD, the first Christian missionaries arrive in China. 
In 740 AD, Irish monks reach Iceland. In 900 AD, missionaries reach Norway. By 1200 AD, the Bible is now available in 22 different languages. In 1498, the first Christians are reported in Kenya. In the 1500s, you had a man by the name of Martin Luther who was disturbed by the rising sales of indulgences that were going on around him. And he wrote... 95 scriptural violations regarding the sale of these indulgences. And in 1517, on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, he posted his protest for all to see. And the more that Luther studied the Bible, the more that he recognized the widespread corruption that was going on around him. And he began to stand on the word of God rather than what he had heard, which should be the case for you and I today. We need to stand upon the word of God, what the word says, not what we hear. In 1525, we have a group that embraced Luther's teaching and spread the gospel, spread the doctrine throughout all of Switzerland. The gospel continues to grow throughout the 16 and 1700s. George Fox led a revival in 1647 in which many people sought after the Spirit of God. In 1700 to 1800 AD, revival begins. Missions were established in Africa. Asia, Greenland, and Lapland, and among the American Indians. The Bible was being placed in the hands of people all over the world. The Methodists were formed when John Wesley taught practical methods for living a holy and godly life. You do your research. These early Methodists, they shouted, they spoke in tongues, and they were miraculously healed and often had visions they were the ones who introduced america to sunday school in 1800 to 1900 a.d america begins to awake all of a sudden camp meetings become the normal summertime events that are happening around the place one of the greatest noted evangelists during this time was charles g finney and it was said that as many as a hundred thousand people were converted and found themselves local churches after they heard this man preach a man by the name of Henry Ward Beecher was famous for his messages on Jesus Christ being God in the flesh and the whole Godhead was inside of him. In London, England, Charles Spurgeon was the driving force behind a great spiritual awakening in Britain. Later on in the early 1900s, one of the holiness movements that sprouted in the later part of the 19th century was formed by Charles Parham, a 25-year-old preacher who opened a 40-member Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. A question arose in that group of students regarding Acts chapter 2. Was receiving the Holy Ghost always accompanied by speaking in tongues? And after study, 
And after prayer, they came to the conclusion that yes, every time someone received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the Bible, they spoke in tongues. Then another question arose, is the Holy Ghost experience still available today? And they found out on New Year's Day 1901 during a prayer meeting when a young girl ran up to Charles Barn and said, lay hands on me and pray for me. And the Holy Ghost fell on time. And she began to speak with other tongues. By the third day, most of the students had received the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues and news began to spread around like news does. And there were groups of curious people who began to show up and witness this phenomenon and really take it in and experience what was going on. In 1906, we have William Seymour, a holiness preacher in Houston, Texas. He heard about the outpouring. He was invited to preach a small revival in Los Angeles, California. But when he preached that the initial sign of the Holy Ghost was speaking in other tongues, he was banned from preaching in that meeting ever again. News began to spread of that. And so what happened was, is without a place to go, a little merciful family took him in. And after several days of prayer in their homes, six people were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave their utterance. Now news began to spread again, and many would show up to this house. They would show up to this meeting and wonder what was going on. And they would show up and they would want people to pray for them and they would show up to receive healing and show up to receive the Holy Ghost. So many came that they had to move the services to an old Methodist church on Azusa Street and for three years the revival continued and God was pouring out His Spirit as people began to search for Him with all of their hearts. And can I tell you, it is still continuing today. The Holy Ghost is continuing to be poured out today. The gospel message is continuing to reach the nation. It was beyond anything that they could have ever imagined. If you look at statistics today, Christianity continues to be, now these are not all of UPCI, I realize, but I believe that any church that has an open Bible, there's opportunity for them to receive the truth. And if they're searching with all their hearts, I believe God's going to show up and God's going to reveal himself to them. So these statistics are for Christianity at a whole. But Christianity continues to be the largest religion in the world with an estimated 2.6 billion global followers. They say if trends continue and if the Lord tarries, by 2050, Christianity is projected to top 3.3 billion people. In fact, if present trends continue by 2050, there will be 633 million Christians in Africa, 640 million in South America, 460 million in Asia. This is what you and I are caught up in this morning. This is what you and I are a part of today. The two fastest growing continents are experiencing the fastest growth of Christianity, Asia and Africa. In 1900, fewer than 10 million Christians lived in Africa. 
ahead of only uh, 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 certain other populations. Currently, however, more Christians live in Africa today than in any other region, 718 million people. The continent is home to more than one in four global Christians. The Christian population in Africa is expected to reach one billion people by 2050. Pentecostals are experiencing a much faster growth even than that. In 1900, Pentecostals numbered fewer than one million. By 2000, they topped 440 million, and currently almost 680 million are projected to receive, uh, are projected to reach 1 billion before 2050. Go on the UPCI website this afternoon and look at the impact that just the UPCI alone had in 2023. I think it was close to a quarter million people baptized in Jesus' name and a quarter million people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. To God be the glory, right? But I just want to tell you this morning, you and me, friend, we are caught up in this. God had us in mind when he pulled Abram aside and he said, I'm going to fix this. What, what, what went wrong? I'm going to put it all back together. I'm going to make it right. He had you in mind. He had this church in mind when he spoke those words to Abram and said, I'm going to make it right. And really, at, at every place along the way, according to uh, Ephesians 1, according to Romans 1, God was coming to rescue you and me. And we are caught up in something so much bigger that, 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 than most of us can get our heads around. What I just did was just a cursory sad attempt at a, at a linear attack of our history, but I find it to be marvelous even in its smallness of all that God is doing behind the scenes. Things that we are not even aware of. People that are being spoken to in a quiet prayer room in their own private devotion time. God is speaking. God is calling and God is calling men and women to rise up and to witness and to spread this gospel to reach people that we've never even met people that we've never even seen we have a family on the other side of this globe people that we've never met before one day we'll meet them but God is rising up there's an army rising up of people that are that have received the commission that are that are planted on the word of God and are marching forth with this great truth that we have we are caught up in something that is so far beyond us and I marvel at it today. I marvel at God and the majesty and all that God is doing, even though I'm just, and we are just scratching the surface of what he is up to. But I know what he is up to is global. It is global. It is more, it is beyond what we see here today. This is, this is what's happening today. And I'll ask our music to come, and I'm going to wind this down. This is what's happening right now on this day. All over the world, men and women are gathered together. They are preaching 
the scriptures. Some have rejected God. Some have, they, they have re, re, rejected God, but we have people all over the globe today that are standing behind pulpits and standing in altars and standing on platforms and having conversations and people are rejoicing in the God of their salvation. Our family, we said it today, happy to be with the family of God. Our family is much bigger than this. God is at work and God is moving and he is saving and yet there is still so much to do. I know how easy it is to caught up in the times that we live in and and God is coming back and God could come back at any moment and I believe that. I believe God could come back today. But I know what it's like to have that mindset of just kind of throwing it all and and just, I'm going to worry about me and mine. There is still so much work to do. See, you and I, we find ourselves playing out in what some would call the narrow space. What we call the already but not yet. See, the prophet... Isaiah speaks of this day that's coming for you and me, friend, where the desert blooms with roses, where the mountaintops produce sweet wine, where the, where the wolf will lay down with the lamb and they will dine together. They dine together now, but it's not the same thing. They will lay down together. And then the clarity on that is that the next verse is, and the lion will chew hay like the oxen. And the Apostle Paul says, he says that that these weak, frail bodies of ours will be replaced one day. That what is perishable will be imperishable. That what is sown in dishonor will be raised in honor. You, You get this picture from the Word of God of a renewed world. A new heaven, a new earth with with renewed bodies, reigning and ruling alongside the king of glory, having no ceiling on our worship. See, there have been times where I've been in services before. I've been in altar calls before where the spirit of God, the manifested presence of God. See, there's an omnipresence where God is everywhere at all times. There's the manifested presence of God where you can feel him in the room. You could reach out and touch him. And I've been, in this, I've been in those services. I've been standing in altars. This altar where the presence of God was so tangible. You could reach out and, and touch the Lord. And I, I have felt in those moments that, 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 you know, I've sung and I've jumped and I've danced and I've done all that I could do. And at times felt hindered a little bit. You know, I didn't know if it was my legs got tired or I didn't have a voice left or, or what it was. I, I felt like I was going to explode and that was what was in my heart couldn't be contained. I've been in those moments. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, God's going to fix that. God's going to fix that for you. God's going to fix that for me. And there is coming a day where, 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 where we will not have these restraints on us, these limitations on this mortal body. There is coming a day where we will gather around the throne of God together. We will make much of him. We will shout and we will worship. We won't get tired. We won't get weary. We won't wear ourselves out. 
But today, you and I are in the space between. Today, we're in the already, but not yet. You and I exist today to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. And the mission has been laid before us. It's been laid before us week in and week out, Sundays and Wednesdays, the mission, the mission, the mission. And our God has called us into what he most certainly will accomplish. I assure you he will accomplish it. But here's why I'm saying 2024. We have such a beautiful view of God. We stand on this side of the resurrection. Do you think Abram had any idea of what God was saying when he said, all the families on the earth will be blessed? Do you think Abram had any idea about all of the places around the world that would be impacted? Do you think he would know about the expanse that happened in Africa? Do you think he would know about South America and North America? Did he have an idea? And yet here we are in 2024. And what has God done? Exactly what he said he was going to do. Throughout the world, throughout the world, there are Africans, there are Asians, and all throughout Europe, and all throughout Russia, and all throughout, like you and me, who have had their hearts open to the majesty of God, who have had their hearts open to the majesty of Jesus Christ, and there are all people around the world that have believed upon Him for salvation. This is so much bigger than just us. What we are a part of is so much bigger than just what we see in this room today. Later this year, God willing, we'll move into a new space. We'll move into a new sanctuary, a much larger sanctuary. We'll move into a new space. You know why? Because this is beyond us. This is bigger than, than what you see here today. And so my challenge for this church today I would love for us to just continue to be messengers of what God is up to. Keep, keep, keep walking obediently according to the scriptures. Keep having your hearts wrung out for the nations, for the unborn, for the reconciliation at every level of life. Your race is not over. This church's race is not over. I know it's cliche, but our greatest days do not lay behind us. 
The greatest revival does not lay in the past. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing because this is beyond us. This is beyond us. We have a mandate this morning. If you stand with me all across this place, we have a mandate, a divine edict to go and make disciples and witness to the uttermost. We're building a new temple. Not just for us, but for the believers that God is going to bless us with. Faces you've never seen before. Voices you've never heard before. Children you've never talked to before. This building, what can we handle? Close to 150 people here. And we've crammed them in here before. Trust me, I've seen it. We can handle roughly 150 people. We're building something that's going to handle twice that. Think of that. David said the Lord is magnified in the midst of the congregation. And I know that I know that there are some things that you can only get by yourself. But I know that there are other things that you are never going to get unless you are surrounded with like-minded believers. Think how big God can get if we have double what we see here today. Think how big God can get if we have double of what we're seeing here today. People that are focused on the heart of God. What we are a part of is so much bigger than what we see. And we serve a God today who is still working, who's still reaching, who's still rescuing, who's still saving. And as Peter told the apostles and the early church gathered on the day of Pentecost, the promise is for you and your children and to all who are afar off. Jesus, my Jesus, is for everybody. Would you just lift your hands with me all across this place? Feel the presence of God. Come on, he's in this place today. Come on, I believe when he spoke to Abram that day, he had your lost family in mind. He had you in mind. This gospel at one point reached you. This gospel at one point reached your family. You may say, oh, I was raised in this price, but but that gospel reached your parents. He had you in mind when he spoke to him that day. Come on, just be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.